Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey everyone, Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Hello, Rush Nation, and welcome along to the week three review and our takeaways from there. Uh, last week we had a bit of a brief hiatus, I think, after me and Murph were out on Sunday night watching Tampa, and Monday was a bit of a blur, I feel, Murph. It kind of passed well, by last week. That and we had the Queen's funeral, right? So it was, a, it was a tough call. We were talking about this all the way through, like, do yep. we do we do this and then we saw the broadcast as well that didn't help because uh well like oh, i'll be like 11 12 and we'll see where yeah. we are and it's like oh it's been broadcast till eight o'clock okay yeah. <laughs> and that was obviously more exciting than us <laughs> well it's certainly it's more just... monumentous than us so. <laughs> well i think that's it yeah so we had, yeah it's a strange one isn't it because you just think um you just think about like those sorts of things it's it's a historic time and it's just about finding a balance right between not being being sensitive and aware, but also just at the same point that people, what are people more interested in? And you, you tend to guess our crowd would be more interested in football, but it's hard to tell. And then you always get people that criticize for, for doing things. And you just think, oh, do you know what? We don't get paid for this. No, <laughs> but yeah, uh, we did go out on Sunday. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, definitely more fun than this Sunday. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was, uh, yeah, uh, it's good to, Good to be back doing this. I've been missing for two weeks now, so this is my first sort of recap of the season. So I'm buzzing to get into this and uh, and reviewing week three because it's 
strange it's been a strange season so far it really has been a very very bizarre season it's um it is there's a lot of outliers at the minute and it's waiting to see whether the cream rises to the top as it always would do or whether these anomalies are, are going to continue and we're going to have some surprise names at the top of some leaderboards come the end of the season yeah i i, I mean we got some surprise ones at the top, top of leaderboards now but it's just it feels like week 12 when you're looking for a, a league winner now and we're in week three and you're like oh, this guy could be a league winner in week three Instant cement. I know. I mean, I had a crazy one, mate. So I'm, I took over. I posted this on Twitter. I took over a, a dynasty team. Um, I said I'd join the league, and it's quite an active league. I've quite enjoyed being yeah. part of it. I uh, didn't have a lot of picks this year, and didn't really have a lot like to work with. Yeah. Um, so I managed to beat this team, and all right, their quarterback was Derek Carr, but this is the rest of the team that they put out on Sunday. Christian McCaffrey, Leonard Fournette, Justin Jefferson, Cooper Cup, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Michael Pittman, Alvin Kamara, and then the Chiefs D, which put up 15 points. Yep. I managed to beat them with Trevor Lawrence, James uh, James Connor, who was, uh, you know, like on account. Out game time, yep. Yeah. Uh, Damian Harris, Gabe Davis, who was also on account. Uh, Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram, Devin Singletree, Russell Gage. Jimmy Garoppolo and the Falcons DST. So pick up the one by one, one away. Yeah, one by one by five points. <laughs> it's absurd, isn't it? I mean, I, I've got eliminated from a uh, a guillotine league with with similar players: Brady Montgomery, I've got Taysom Hill, uh, Tyson Tyreek Hill, I've got Justin Jefferson. I haven't got one player that scored double digits other than Brady, and he didn't have a good game. Yeah. So, it's it's shocking. Um, yeah. That's the fun of what we do, though, right? It, it is, right? And we're here to sort of um, unpack some of this, right? And there's yes. some stuff that we can we can take away going forward. And I've just finished the Wave of Wire show that's gone out yep. um, with, with people. And there's some players, I think, um, that people are going to target and go for and i'm like don't um and then there's some that people aren't going to go for that i think you should so it, it's going to be a good show and if you've got questions you know just uh just dial on in um and we'll we'll pick some up but um you know this we haven't really done this format so far this year but we will do which is just going through things that we've <coughs> learned or some things that surprised us surprised us in the week yep um then some things that we learned and then some trends that we need to monitor and this is kind of where we get this potential to buy low sell high or just get a crack of where we are if we're losing confidence in players and yeah if you have a few players that you're a bit unsure about and you want um, some analysts on trends and we've got some time then we'll, we'll do that and then we'll catch <coughs> up with some injury report maybe some waiver wire picks or whatever if there's any questions just fire them across man but week three yeah. what did you uh, make of it what did you sort of take away from from week three so far i appreciate it as a game to go uh everything we learned in week one and two we can forget and start <laughs> all over again <clears throat> who saw the colts beating the chiefs no. um for instance who saw the jags beating up um oh it escapes me now Chargers. yeah um even with a, a beat up justin herbert nobody would have foresaw that coming so um, I actually think I saw a stat that said that um, oh, head coach of the Jags lost me in my head. Doug Pedersen. Thank you. Has as many wins already as last year's Urban guy. Oh my God, I'm losing my memory today. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> it's full the- time in Jags <laughs> wins. <laughs> so, yeah, something stupid like that. Do you want to hear something more mad? 
right? Go on. The Jags, and I said this on the waiver show, the Jags have run more plays in the red zone than any team in the NFL this season. Yep. And Herbert looks good. Like, there's been, he came in with this generational talent. It looked Lawrence, you mean? Way off. What am I on about now? You said Herbert. Oh, mate, I am having a day. It's been a long day. Sorry. <laughs> um, but he does. But his accuracy and his, the way he's dialed in with what we wouldn't consider a an elite receiver core is starting to find a bit of confidence and find a bit of rhythm there. Um, <clears throat> they paid Christian Kirk, and it got a lot of laughs, I guess, across the industry at the time. But they're using him how they want to use him, and it's looking pretty productive for them at the minute. Well, one of the things I, I'd say I took away and learned was was from Zay Jones, right? Or surprised me was Zay PCU Jones. Now, Pirate. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Zay Jones right now. <clears throat> again, people mocked him for his contract. They just talked about him on the waiver wire show just yep. just a few minutes ago. But you know, eleven targets, um, ten receptions, <clears throat> a touchdown, led the team in yards, yep. led the team in targets, led the team in receptions. You know. People are talking, you know, you, you get people on the waiver wires and, and they're t- talk, talk about targeting players like Isaiah McKenzie or uh, and they're chasing points. Yep. You know, Zay Jones isn't a sexy pick. He's not going to sit here and rack up many wide receiver one weeks. But, you know, if you're in a PPR league right now, he's a flex play every week, the way that offense is playing. Now, it could, it could all come down to earth, right? Like any pick you could make. So Zay Jones, <clears throat> across all formats, is my most rostered player. Really? And it, it is because yeah. he was an ECU pirate. The ECU pirates only have two active players in, and I follow the college in the NFL. Uh, he's the only one that is rosterable because the other one's an offensive lineman. Uh, and yeah. I've kind of followed his career from college. We're not a, <clears throat> we're not a side who have many people drafted and I've kind of kept an eye on it. So, you know, that last round throwaway pick, we talk about the roster yeah. churning at the bottom, especially after the move. He was one I went out and had it almost everywhere, just in the hope that, uh, he can live up to those days. So, yeah, Zay Jones is my most rostered player. I have him always ever because he was free. So, everywhere, late round pick, you're looking at them dart throws, you go, yeah, I'll have Zay Jones again. Do you know? I mean, in <clears throat> in in um, in half-point PPI, he's currently the wide receiver 29. But, I mean, it, it's it's pretty <clears throat> close, like, in, in that range yeah. we're in. Like, the players he's kind of around here, like, he's sandwiched between... Michael Pittman, who missed the game, and Deontay Johnson, who are two players we absolutely love. Um, but, I mean, he, he's in that sort of sandwich as T. Higgins, who's missed some time, uh, Mike Williams. Uh, I mean, uh, <clears throat> to be honest, but there's only... But, they're startable but flex players. Of course they are. Zay Jones uh, in a 28-30th round dart throw, and you pick him up at the same time. Yeah, I mean, Zay, Zay Jones is he's around about 10, well, 10, 10-ish 10% owned. Um, I just went through and did these numbers. Uh, I never forget. I only want a, a Marvin Jones or a Chris Kirk to go down, and that usage isn't going anywhere. Well, I don't. I listen. I don't think Marvin Jones is. I don't think he's the second read. I think he's the third read. Yep. I think Zay Jones is the second read in that offense behind Christian Kirk. Don't forget, the tight end's pretty irrelevant there. Yeah, Evan yep. Ingram is not doing much in that offense. You know, he, he pretty much is the second read there, especially with the amount of targets and, and receptions he's, he's getting. He's establishing himself that way, yeah. Exactly that. And, and you know, we saw the money and everyone saw the laugh, but there's a role. It's You know, it made sense to me when they signed <laughs> him. Maybe not the money. You know, we could sit here and criticise money, but money is money. Like, the Jags have loads of it, and they have to spend X amount of it. Don't forget, people forget, and, you know, they see these crazy deals. With the NFL, you have to spend 80% of the cap. 
You have mm-hmm. to. You can't just sit there and spend forty <laughs> percent. Yeah. No, you you can pocket some and move it over, <clears> right? So you can move cap over to the following years, yeah. but you have to spend a minimum of eighty percent. That is in the um, that is in the bargain uh, collective bargaining agreement. So, you know, at the end of the day, some of these deals purely were down to timing and the fact they had to spend some money because they were so far under the cap. Not entirely. I mean, they did spread it out across the roster, but. You know, it's it's working out dividends so far. They definitely look a very, very different team. For example, you know, they're not going to be picking number one this year for the third year in a row. They will be competitive. They hired a good coach. You know, Doug Pedersen for, you know, he's won a Super Bowl. We're not talking about a Mickey Mouse coach they've got there. My questions were on, you know, with Pedersen was in that running game and and everyone was going gaga for Etienne. And I was like, hold the brakes because... Pedersen, with the way that he has run games, you can't trust it. But offensively, he's a good coach. Like, you know, that Eagles team with Wentz and, you know, Wentz hasn't looked the same since he's since he's not had him as a coach. And I think it's, it's a, he's a decent coach. He's bringing in good, good values into needed, that team. They needed an unsexy, sound foundation building coach. And he can be there three, four, five years and yeah. give them the footing to move forward as an organization. Yeah, absolutely. What 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 did you um what what surprised you as well this week? I mean, we talked a little bit about some of the games, but what what surprised you from a fantasy perspective this week? The, I guess the lack of big name headlines. You look yeah, at someone like we said Justin Jefferson wasn't a superstar. Um, I don't think Jamar Chase had a particularly wonderful week. Tyler Boyd seemed to mm. uh, be schemed in a lot of offense in there. Um, running backs as well. We saw. Henry finally get his feet up and running and yeah and get a game. Um, but yeah, a lot of these studs that you have to pick and have to play, Tyreek Hill, another one, single-digit mm. PPR performance, um, didn't quite step up this week. So I looked at it first and was like, well, if you've gone running back heavy the first couple of weeks, you were struggling. If you've gone Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill on a turn, you're probably struggling this week. Uh, there does seem to be no kind of pattern to anything at the minute i mean aaron jones 30 yards and a fumble i mean that wasn't that wasn't a huge shock and compared to some given that that buck in his run defense i did have him way way down uh compared to other players because he was playing the buccaneers and i think you've always got to move it um a running back down about 10 spots when they're playing the buccaneers for that reason but you're right let me read you the mm-hmm. half point ppr Wide receiver ones this week. So that's one through 12. Number one, Devonta Smith. Number two, Mac Hollins. Number three, Marquise Hollywood Brown. Number four, Amari Cooper. And don't forget who his quarterback is, Jacoby Brissett. Number I'm five, okay with Zay- three of the four. Yeah. Pardon? Three of them four are okay. Right. The number, one five, one number five, Zay Jones. Yeah, ECU. Yeah, of course he is. Number six, Chris Olave. <laughs> number six, what Russell Wilson. As well, hold on, just quickly on that one. From a rookie, what a performance from him. Right, right. I think it was right. the sixth highest yards from a rookie. Yeah, huge. I think I saw. But <clears throat> I, I got some stick for this comment. Right, it wasn't my comment. In the commentary, at the point where the Saints, this was deep in the third quarters, the Saints hadn't scored. Yep. And it was like, oh, Chris Olave, he's a real difference maker. They were trading thirteen nothing. You can't be a difference maker if he's still haven't scored. Like, and they lost both Thomas and Landry to injuries as well. Yeah, I mean, the game. And that wasn't a dig, <laughs> that wasn't a dig at Alave. It was just the choice of words from the commentary team. 
of yeah. he's the difference maker today. Well, he can't be when they're 13 nothing yeah. down. He can't be a difference maker. He can have a great game. He can be, yeah. you know, carrying the offense or whatever you want to say. I mean, Jameis Winston was second in passing yards yesterday. That's not a surprise. <laughs> but, no, it's not a surprise. But considering that they didn't score a touchdown until like yeah. late in the fourth quarter, the final like four minutes or something. Yeah. Oh, let me finish this list. So Chris Olave yeah, was sixth, Russell Gage seventh, Tyler Boyd eighth, Devontae Parker, who's like, who hasn't even had a sniff, ninth. Isaiah McKenzie tenth, Romeo Dubs eleventh, AJ Brown was twelfth. Okay, so Brown's probably the highest draft pick from that selection. Yeah, yeah. So Brown Brown is being taken in yeah. the second round. Late second, mid late second, yeah. Right. And no one else there is being picked is in the first the five rounds. Yep. No one's in the no one's in the uh, the next pick is probably Marquis Hollywood Brown AD, ADP sixth round. Him and Devontae Smith would probably be pretty similar fifth or sixth round, I thought. Yeah, I thought Smith was later. Mario Cooper might have been. It was sort of him. Yeah, but look, you got a load of free guys. I mean, Russell Gage was someone yep. we talked about many times yep. over. I mean, Cooper Cup finished 18th on the week. Um, yeah, I, it's it's just a weird. It, it was just a weird week, I mean, but it, we're seeing a lot of this where the offenses are, are struggling right now and. You know, it's very much defensive league. And, and this does happen. Yeah, it's always the right? way early in the season as well, though, right? Yeah. Defensing is easier to come out and hit your stride rather than the the minor technicalities that an offense involves, the timing, yeah. the rhythm. The, so early on in the season, defenses always hit their stride quicker than an offense will. Yeah, and we, we've seen a lot of disruptive injuries. I mean, I, I, I'll talk about um, one of the things that surprised me was, was Devonta Smith, right? So I talked about in the matchup show, Devonta Smith is just someone who's just not on my radar right now. Because of the fact okay. that um, the Eagles, he's, he's third looking the Eagles. They're not a high volume passing uh, offense. And then he puts up a ridiculous stat line. It's uh, eight for 169 and one. However, almost all of those came in the first half. Like he barely did anything in the second half. It's an interesting. I did DFS a lot. Well, there you go. <laughs> you did a lot better than I did. I didn't see this week coming from him. Now, granted, the commanders don't look good. They don't look good. You know, there's a lot of people ready to crown the Eagles as the best team in the NFC right now. I'm going to wait until they played some people. But yeah. listen, the one one thing I say is I did not see this Devontae Smith game. I'll, I'll hang my hat on it. And the, on the matchup show, I was like, give me AJ Brown all day long. This looks a great matchup for him. Mm-hmm. But for Devontae Smith, as a third read, I thought this was a Dallas Goddard game, which it turned out to be a bit. He broke out a couple fun. of big yeah. ones. Yeah. Uh, and and and, a, and AJ Brown, I didn't see this big game from Devonta Smith, but that first half he was all all over them. I guess the worry I would have as a Devonta Smith owner right now, if I own Devonta Smith, which I probably don't own any of or very slim amount of, I'd be trading him. Like I, I would sell so high on this performance because he's going to have so many weeks where he's not going to do much. Because again, yep. he's the third read in a low-passing volume offense. And that's not a slight on Jalen Hurts. I'm not sitting here saying Jalen Hurts yeah. back, quarterback. Opportunity though, right? They just don't throw the ball yep. loads. I mean, they did yep. yesterday, but the commanders are not great. In, in a game where they're going to have less time of possession, where they're going to be playing a team that has an offense that's going to do more, they're not going to run as many offensive plays. And if they are, they're not going to run all of them in the air. And that's the part where I worry about Devonta Smith in the long term. So I, I can't see Devonta Smith being a top 36 wide receiver this season unless he puts up multiple games like this. But then, 
he's also going to put up a lot of three-point games, five-point games, seven-point games, eight-point games, where he's going to have a couple of catches or hardly any. We saw this in the playoffs. We didn't we even did. get targeted. Against half, good yeah. teams, it's... and uh, on, This isn't a slight on Smith. This isn't a slight on Hurts. It's just the way it is. Someone has to miss out in that offense, and it's not going to be A.J. Brown. It's just yeah. not. It's not going to be A.J. Brown because the money and everything else that's been gone towards him. So... That's my only thing. If, if if I owned a lot of, of Devonta Smith right now, I'd be fielding some offers. I'd be selling high on this performance and trying to get something I could use because I'm just not sure. I, I just don't think I could put him in the lineup every week. I just think I'd, I'd have nightmares having that start-sit selection every week because he could have a game like this or he could have a Without game like score. He's very score-dependent other than that, right? He is. Well, well, or huge yards after the catch. I mean, at the end of the day... I can't see him. I can't see many games he's going to have eight catches again. I'm just having a look. He's only had two games over 20 points, and they were both touchdown scores. Right. Without him, he hasn't passed 20 points. This right. week, he had over 30. So you look at that and you go, you look at that, but how, what's look at his catches. So look at his catches in games. Yep. Yep. Uh, he went catches? for a phase here. Uh, early on, he did okay, but from week six onwards, two, five, one, five, four, four, two, two, three, five, three, three, back in the last year. And that's without AJ Brown. And he had four targets in week one with no catches. Yeah. This year. So that's and all those numbers last season were without AJ Brown. So yep. they were without. Now you've got AJ Brown. That is my point. Is That was last season with zero competition. He had zero competition for targets. And now he's got. There's an argument that the inclusion of A.J. Brown may help him with coverage. He's not facing corner ones. Yeah, you could say that. But at the same token, I think volume, if they were throwing the ball 35 times a game, I'd go, yeah, I'd buy that. But they're not. And that's, you're going to throw the ball to A.J. Brown, especially in those contested catches uh, scenarios. Um, And especially against these who look like they're going to scheme um, certain ways to, to stop or play prevent D. I mean, I don't know what was going on with the commanders yesterday. They just the good news is though they've got a good run of teams coming still though. They they do they do. I'm just saying I'm Jackson very Bill, surprised. Cardinals, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Houston, and then back to Washington again before they before the playoffs week eleven they didn't start hitting the Colts and Green Bay and. We well, say so, that, but, but like the Cowboys will be back to full strength, and that's a D that's yeah that's going to play tough. So there's a few games in there, but yeah, I agree. I, I just for me. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PREP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. We are all entitled to sexual health, just as much as physical and mental health. We want to make it easier for folks to find resources. However they engage with us, there's no wrong door. So it's important that people are able to get access to care that is affirming. Talking about what their sex life is, about their concerns, and to make sure they're healthy. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your sexual health matters. Visit doitforumc.org. They just surprised me that game. It really did. And I'll, I'll hang my hat and say, I just never saw it coming. I never yep. saw it coming this week. But there you go. You know, we can't be right all the time. Um, the other thing that surprised me was just the, you've talked about the ineffectiveness of wide receivers, the ineffectiveness of, of, of running backs for me. So, yep. you know, 
you mentioned Derek Henry. He he finished the week RB3. <laughs> All right, it's still tonight to come. He could finish RB4. Barkley could be iron and maybe, yeah. but we'll see what happens. It's, I don't think Zeke is going to. Chubb finishes the RB8. Cook is the RB12, despite the fact he's injured. Um, you, you got McCaffrey, RB14. Harris, RB18. Taylor, RB21. Like, it's just, if you went zero RB as a strategy, you doing pretty well right now because these elite running backs are not really putting up elite these... numbers. No, they're not putting no. up big numbers. They're not really separating from, from the crowd. Um, Jamal Williams and Khalil Herbert this week. You're running off the bank. The problem is yeah. you've then got uh, Justin Jefferson who didn't deliver and AJ Brown on the other end. Well, look, look, we did we did the top 12 in wide receivers. Let's do the top 12 in running backs, right? Cool. So number one, Nick Chubb. He was a first-round pick, so we're well, back end of the first, beginning of the second, yeah. right? So, you know, he's he's delivering his ADP right now. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, James this Robinson. through three weeks, right? Yeah, this is all through three weeks. James Robinson, James Robinson is, 10, 12, is the RB2, pretty much yeah. free player. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who everyone was pretty much out on, he's the RB3. Cordell Patterson, who for me was just a, the greatest value oh, in the yeah. world. Yeah. Uh, RB4. DeAndre Swift, he was in the second round, RB5. Jamal Williams uh, was the 11th round ADP, yep. uh, RB6. Khalil Herbert, basically free, RB7. Yeah, Aaron Jones, second round, RB8. Uh, uh, Jonathan Taylor, the one overall, RB9. Christian McCaffrey, the number two overall, RB10. Saquon Barkley, second, third, probably sick, mid, mid, mid yeah. second round pick, uh, RB11. But he goes tonight, so he could jump. He could jump. He could jump second with a... Uh, 12.7 point game. He goes second. Okay. Which he could do. Which is weird, which is well within the realm. Derek Henry finishes out the top 12. Then you've got Gibson, Hunt, Harris, Mixon. Um, you know, there's there's a few there. My my point is that but even at looking at the points, right? So the, I just talked about Barkley there, 40.7 over two games. He has the second highest um points per game average just behind Nick mm-hmm. Um but he's on 40 points in 11th place and James Robinson, 53 points in second place. So yeah, he could jump up, but there's no big, we're used to seeing these sort of big separator spikes um, between the sort of the elite players and, and the rest. I mean, like RB 24 right now is at 30 points. This is half point PPR mind. Yeah. So 30 points. And then to 12, the gap is only nine, nine and a half points. So it's just a lot of guys. There's no separation so far. And that's the reason you pay for the the first round guys and the high second round guys is separation. Those guys are supposed to finish well clear of the pack. They might not necessarily finish the RB1, RB2, but they're going to be there or thereabouts so that when you're paying for your low end RB1, RB2, this is supposed to be this huge separation. I get it. It's three games. It's a small sample size, but we're not seeing separation. And this An is example of separation. I bet if you had, I don't know if you've got it there, but the figures for a tight end, I bet you'll see Andrews and Kelsey starting to actually pull themselves away from the pack. Yeah, well, I can literally pull those up for you, uh, you and that is exactly what happens. Yep. So, and if you've paid for them, great, and that's what you pay for them for, and everybody else just picks at the rest, right? So you've got, for example, Mark Andrews is the tight end one right now, 53.8 points. Travis Kelsey behind him, 45.6 points. They're the only two players with double-digit average points per game, 17.9, 15.2. Okay. The tight end three. Right? Tight end three. Tight, tight end three is over double per game, tight end three. 
not quite double, okay. but it's it's reasonable. It's fifteen point two. Titan three is uh, Zaka. It's nine point eight. So the gap okay. to them is sixteen points already. Which doesn't sound like a lot, but given in mind that Zach Ertz only has 30 points on the season, not even, 29.4 points. It's, it's quite three a games. Time that by five, you're 150 points by the time you hit the playoffs. That's what I mean. It's it's a significant amount. And the, and the one that's really letting you down is, is Kyle Pitts there. He's down in Titan 15. Um, and it's not working out well for him at all so far this season. But yeah, that is that is the point. Is Yeah, you pay for these guys, but there is separation there. And um, we're not seeing that at the RB position. And that's the reason why the reason why I've always advocated going, not say we RB heavy, but taking those premium RBs is that separation because wide receivers, once you get into a, uh, that cluster, they, they cluster right quite a lot. So yep. passing <clears> on one uh, uh, wide receiver and going two rounds later and picking up a wide receiver, the point difference isn't that much. It doesn't, it doesn't cost you a huge amount to do it. And, you know, the, the, tr- true enough at the wide receiver position, we're not seeing big separation. But what we are seeing is more points generally across the board. The wide receivers are putting up significantly more points than uh, running backs, which you would see in that sort of 12, maybe 15 onwards at the position. Wide receivers heavily outscore running backs. But those elite players, you would expect those elite running backs to outscore the elite wide receivers. That isn't happening. Not only is that not happening, but even the mediocre wide receivers are outscoring the premium running backs right now. Zay Jones has scored more than Derrick Henry. I, I expect Derrick Henry to kick on now. Yeah. The, the Titans looked a lot better yesterday. He's a little bit of the running back because of how much, not necessarily committees being used by everybody, but how much workload is being shared around all these guys. I mean, Chubb to be one who's in a clear split backfield with Hunt is a surprise anyway, but we've seen Henry because of game script lose stuff to Hilliard on uh, Zeke and Pollard of a share and Montgomery and Herbert this week has really come out because of the injury. Well, there, there's a lot <laughs> of different reasons, right? So we it's can't really... though, The top two in Chubb and Robinson are probably the clearest share two you've got. Yeah, I, I'd argue there's probably a few more yeah. Swift and... Swift and Williams, but they're both in there. But yeah, I, you're right. But a lot of it also depends not just on game script, but it depends on, you know, one of the things that isn't being factored in here is its offensive line play. Yeah. Um, and this is something that's severely hindering, say, uh, Leonard Fournette right now. Mm-hmm. Leonard Fournette, all the volume, everything that we talk, everything that we thought Leonard Fournette was going to be, he is. The points aren't there. That's not him. It's it's the volume right now, and also he's facing really good D's. But ultimately, the volume hasn't. The volume's been there, but the he's not been able to break free because that O line hasn't been good enough. It hasn't yeah. created the holes. But the volume and everything we kind of expected and wanted from Leonard Fournette is there. All the numbers are there. Like if he keeps these numbers up, he will finish at top six in the position because everything we want there to be in him, number of carries, number of touches, number of snaps played, they're all there for Fournette. And that's true of a few players as well. In fact, there's some players, and we'll get into them later on, like McCaffrey, ones that I am worried about because mm-hmm. the usage isn't there compared to what we were expecting. So there's some players that the usage is there, but it's O-line play, it's it's game script or whatever it might be. It hasn't quite clicked offensively, yeah. uh, <laughs> hasn't quite found the lanes. but everything's kind of there 
And there's a few players that there are some real question marks now that we need to see. I think Derek Henry's answering his. Um, And I think you're seeing better offensive. I think we saw much better offensive line play from the Titans this week. Um, But we also, as you say, saw the game script. So they were in control. They were ahead of the whole game. They were able to push on and use Henry and and really batter on. Um, But you're right in terms of the, the committee stuff. I think what I would say is Chubb has always had a larger share and he's always had that good share. James Robinson is a surprise. I don't think you should ever be fearful of committees. It's more about their type of usage. There's a few that we'll go through later on, but I think ultimately with, with running backs, I think what we are seeing is, is a, it's a multitude of things. I don't think you can pin it on one thing. I think offensive lines, there's for example, Mixon, uh, that's clear offensive line issues that, that, yeah. That Bengals offensive line is not working well at all. Um, Burrow is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL. He's struggling right now um, there. And I think there's some real issues with that offensive line. But some of it is situational and some of it is talent-based. Um, there are certain players who just like Josh Jacobs, who we knew were coming into this year with a bit of a problem, who's just struggling to really put his mark on. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, for example, is a player. I wouldn't say he's struggling. It's a harsh thing potentially to say that Jonathan Taylor is struggling. You know, he's, he's the RB9. Um, part of that is game script because of the fact they have been losing games, the Colts. They've been training significantly mm-hmm. and they're trying to get Matt Ryan acclimatized in a new offense. And we saw this week, even though they were ahead at parts of this game, they didn't, they're just not utilizing Jonathan Taylor in the way they were last season. They're trying to... You can live a long, healthy life if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforumc.org. HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention. PrEP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforumc.org. Maybe that's because they've got more more faith in their quarterback, that they want to put the ball in the air because that's how they really want to play. But they've not had the quarterback to do it over the last few years. They've been playing with Jacoby Brissett and, and Carson Wentz. And maybe they thought this is the year now with Matt Ryan, they feel more comfortable. I don't, I you know, the truth is we don't know, but... It'd be interesting to see how these things start to shake out over. We knew, for example, Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, we knew was going to take a decline this year. In, and injured. Here in, we are. Well, we knew he was going to get injured, <laughs> but we knew he was going to take a decline in touches because <clears throat> Kevin O'Connell was going to throw the ball more. Yep. That's how they work. They, you know, that is how he's he's from the McVeigh coaching tree. They're going to throw the ball more. That is how it works. And it's no surprise to me that Justin Jefferson is getting the same sort of usage numbers and 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 skill as uh, Cooper Cup was getting. Yes, okay, it's not paid off this week, but ultimately yeah. the uses and all the numbers, it will leave yourself uh, out of that one. Yeah, exactly that. So that that's I think is interesting that 
yes, there is more committees, and we kind of know that, but this could be the start of potentially if see how the season goes. But it's one to monitor because we could be in this situation now where we're going to start fading running backs because mm-hmm. the fact that if the elite running backs aren't going to be putting up the points that are going to cause that huge separation. And the reason why it's so valuable at running back as opposed to tight end, one, because it's more points, but two, because you start two players. So if yeah. you grab two of those, that's double the separation. That's double the, the distance you'll have at the and the advantage of the position. <clears throat> if that doesn't happen, running backs become... I would say obsolete, but they, they don't become favorable to be drafted in fantasy football as much. And then you've got a whole shake-up of the way the game is played. I just Maybe. look through my rosters right now, and the ones I'm happiest with are the ones that are wide receiver heavy and not running back heavy. And you can just get that feel yourself. Have a look through. Mm-hmm. Which side you sit and go, really like that. I've started 3-0. and I've started 2-1 and one was unlucky. Have a look at what the roster build is. Have a look at what mm-hmm. it's made up of. And I look through it and go, I've always advocated running back heavy, take two, deal with it. I've always advocated that. And I, you, you you diversify a bit. But I look through right now and think, have I got to change my own approach to some of these? Because the ones I'm really as happy with are not the ones that I've done that with at the minute through three weeks this year. Yeah, I, I caveat that and just say, look, it's three weeks. It's a small sample yep. size. But <laughs> but yeah, definitely, if we continue to see this trend, that's something that we should be, be monitoring because it, it looks like right now the dynasty model of getting these young wide receivers, receivers yeah. looks to be the, the the right formula for redraft right now, which is which is fascinating. But we'll Mark we'll Andrews one oh one next year is yeah. saying them. No. <laughs> no, I, I can't advocate a tight end <laughs> Sorry. The position is just so pointless it's not worth it. Um, um so you mentioned what, statistical trends. Look, let you've done some we've got a sheet you've done some analysis into some of these guys. Some of them we've already mentioned to look at the situation. But do you want to Dig a bit deeper on some of them. So, who have we mentioned already? Let's start with someone we know. Jamal Williams, you mentioned, right? Yeah. So, look, why I, are we looked... seeing Jamal Williams and the situation is? A lot of it is down to like what we'd seen in the first couple of weeks is, is goal line work. He saw that again in week three. He's getting all the goal line work. Yep. What's changed? And this could be because of Swift's injury. And actually, news has come out um, in the last hour, time, hour and a half that yeah. he could miss some time here. So, yeah. Jamal Williams' value was just shot through the reef in the last couple, basically in the last 24 hours. Because it was his usage, and I caveated his usage here, saying that it could be because of the fact that it's the injury. But it's looking like Swift is hurt. And again, this is why I didn't agree with Swift's ADPs, because one, he's never played played a full season. It's not happened. He's never had a, a strong finish. But Williams was already starting to overtake this backfield. He had all the goal line work, but he was getting more of the early down work. He was getting forty six percent of the um, of the early down work. Um, plus, he was also getting short yardage work. He was getting the majority of that. He was getting most of the two minute drill work. Um, so he was getting all the key situations. The one that um, Swift was dominating was in the passing game, in the catching game. Mm-hmm. That's where he was getting it. But anything that involved like pure rushes. Williams was starting to turn the screw and get even more work. They do have Craig Reynolds there. Craig Reynolds sort of convoluted this map a little bit. He was getting like 12% of the carries here and there. And so he, he took a bit. And that was probably what would have been um, Swift's share that they probably just gave yeah. it to Reynolds. But he started, his usage, Williams, is going up and up and up. But the key thing here is early down work because that's where you're most likely to break a run and goal line work. 
for Jamal Williams. Now, because he's not involved in the passing game as much, that is Swift's area. It's weird because when Williams went there, this is the role that we envisioned. We thought Swift would get the early round work. And Williams, yeah, and Williams would get the receiving work. It's kind of the reserve, the reverse than actually what we thought. Mm. What this means is that effectively, it, Williams, although he is putting up running back one weeks, it's only because the others aren't really stepping up. He's not putting up these huge volume weeks, but he is getting the goal line work, which gets him the touchdowns, which will elevate him. So for me, he's a flex play. He's more like an RB two flex for the rest of the season. If Swift's out, he elevates even further upwards. But for me, he, he, you, if you own him right now, you have to start him. If you don't, and he's available in 55% of leagues, you have to go out there and get him. I'm not saying you at all costs. I'm not saying he's an Eliza Mitchell put 100% mm-hmm. house on it. I think you've got to be putting significant fab on him because especially now with the news that the Swift is out, he's worth 20% of your fab. Yep. Because he's a he's a relevant fantasy play every week of the season. I'd even say now with this injury, he could be as much as twenty five percent. Because he's comparable be players. Play. For me, someone like a, a Naheem Hines, right? Probably a similar and, ADP. Naheem Hines is nowhere near the performance Jamal Williams is putting up. Absolutely right now. not. And I don't think he's going to. And I think this is no. what we're looking at. You know, right now I can see a path to where Jamal Williams is in the top twenty four running backs at the end of the season. Yep. Now, if you can get him for 25% of your fab or, or less, that's a good deal. That's a good deal right now. Yep. People are scared to use fab because they sit there and go, okay, if I spend all my money now. And next week then, is the one big guy. Right. Or I want to wait for the one big guy that never comes. Ultimately, you've yep. got someone <clears throat> who you can put in. Your, and don't forget, we're one week away from bye weeks. So these bye weeks are going to start creeping in soon and you're going to need players in your flex. Jamal Williams is a good player. And, you know, I'm advocating really put wide receivers in your flex, but Jamal Williams is the exception to that. I think he is someone yeah. that you can easily put in your flex right now. And all the usage is trending upwards in Jamal Williams' favour. So he's someone I really um, like right now. Um, someone else who I think is also trending in that direction is Brees Hall. So yeah. Brees Hall, I'm starting to see in the in the stats, in the usage, that he is starting to take over this Jets backfield. It's yeah. taken some time. Well, it's not really, it's three weeks, you know. Let's let's keep it uh keep it where it is. But ultimately, he's getting 80% of the short yardage work, he's getting 86% of the third down work. This was all uh in yeah. week three. Now it's it's interesting because Ty Johnson was getting the third down work last week in that game against Cleveland pretty much non-existent this game. So it, it seems like they've kind of let Hall acclimatize to the NFL, yeah. get some game time, get on the field, and now they're starting to say, right, go go get it. You know, we drafted you in the high second round to be the guy, go be the guy. And he's starting to get all this work. He's getting 50% of the two-minute drill work. Um, he's, he's just getting, he's getting all of the work that you kind of would expect a lead back to be getting. Um, they haven't seen goal line work there because they haven't been near the goal line this week. <laughs> but um, Brees Hall is someone from these stats from this week. It's looking like he's starting to take over. I was very hesitant to put Brees Hall in lineups this week, yep. but I do <clears> think now you can start to consider putting him in lineups. Depends who you've got in your roster, but 
right now he doesn't look like he's going to put up numbers worse than <laughs> than anybody else. I think, and if anything, the upside is there. And we're starting to see this usage go up. So everything's trending right for Brees Hall to overtake Michael Carter to be the 1A back. And he's, you know, Carter's still going to have a role. I'm not telling you now that Brees Hall's going to be a bell cow, but he yeah. is starting to get that key work to get the really good performances that we were expecting out of Brees Hall from a fantasy perspective. So there's two there that you're looking going up and that you're looking to start in Brees Hall and flexing Jamal Williams with upside. Um, the next name on the list <laughs> literally is followed by the caveat of don't add. Tell us who yeah. and why. Yeah. Matt Collins, right? So yeah. I know, right. Matt Collins is the second highest trending player on sleeper acquisitions right now. Yeah. Second that highest. Surprise me. One good game. Sleeper. Well, it's people chasing points, right? It's classic people <clears throat> chasing points. Yeah. There is a reason why he had the game that he had. Hunter Renfro was out with a concussion. Yeah. But it's a concussion. We know Hunter Renfro is going to be back next week, barring some extreme circumstance of concussion. We know it pretty likely he's going to be back next week. Now, according to PFF, his threat rate was 10.5% uh, over his first two weeks, which is the 11th lowest out of 66 qualifying receivers. So that's wow. uh, ability to score points deep, right? So not uh, not great at all. But he's also never caught more than five passes in the game before, before this week, and never mm -hmm. tallied more than 72 uh, receiving yards. And he goes back to being the fourth read in this offense. So he's the fourth target behind Adams. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Waller, Renfro, Renfro. then yep. it's Holland. And also, possibly even Holland a back in even, there as well. He's you not even had a back in there as well. Yeah, exactly. You've got <laughs> Jacobs in there. And then you're, on top of that, you know, he's not nailed on for that fourth read, fifth read, whatever he's going to be. He goes back to being in a relevant role. He's, you know, Matt Collins, just don't spend the money. Even if he's free, don't waste the waiver wire priority on him. Like, there's just no point. If you are really desperate for wide receiver, go chase someone who's going to have production. Just don't bother getting somebody who is just, that's it. Go and add Zay Jones. Go and add Zay Jones. Go, there's literally, I could name 50 players right yep. now who I would have over Matt Collins. It's just no point. Go add Cole Beasley and see what happens over yeah. Matt Collins. Just don't add Matt Collins. There's no need to add Matt Collins. What we've seen, this is the best it gets out of him. You're never seeing the... In order for him to have this game again, he needs Renfro and probably Adams to be out. It's just not going to happen. So, yeah, just don't add him. It's it, completely pointless. 
I agree. Um, totally. <laughs> um, the next name on your list is a big name, someone that I had huge hopes for, and actually, instead of Jonathan Taylor, who's my 101, it's Christian McCaffrey, and we touched on him a little bit earlier. Your analysis here looks at, I guess, more PPR-based, why he isn't quite returning where he's at. Um, yeah. The obvious answer is he's not getting the catches and the targets, but explain a little bit more about that. No, so like four targets again on Sunday. Um, they it's thirteen in three games he's had. Yeah. So it's not that volume. We are we're used to Christian McCaffrey having thirteen targets in a game, right? Yeah. 10, 11, double digit targets in a game. That's just not happening. It's just not happening in in games for him. He's just not part of this offense in terms of from a passing perspective. I don't know if that's a Baker thing. I don't know if this is a new offensive. Well, I spoke to Antonio and we won about it and said that the key's always been, and especially with the Panthers, to win a game, put the ball in your best player's hand. All right? Yeah. And give it to Christian McCaffrey and he'll win us the game, or at least he'll carry us through the game. And I wonder if Baker Mayfield actually believes that Baker Mayfield is the best player on the field. I, I think that's... McCaffrey. Yeah, I, I think that's a genuine... That's a genuine bit of analysis. The other problem that the Panthers have, and this, and I talked about this last week, right? So Christian McCaffrey is used to being on an offense that runs, and Joe Brady offense, who was the offensive coordinator before he was fired, is used to running 60, 65, occasionally saw, but not that often, 70 plays a game. Panthers, over the first two games, were down to 52 offensive plays. Um, yesterday, they ran... 56 so they're still not anywhere near where they need to be right from a offensive perspective they're not running that many plays the they promising really numbers need... Matt though if they run 56 plays I think he had 25 carries yeah McCaffrey so that's nearly half the workload is going through him there in terms of on the ground yeah yeah so um... he, uh, he and he had four targets right okay. sorry so he's I had... getting half half the snaps he's getting the ball yeah yeah, well, he's being targeted. Yeah, so effectively half the they're trying to get the ball to him, right? Which there's a promising sign to that, but the downside of it is it's not in the passing game. You know, Baker Mayfield threw the ball twenty five times. It's just not, and the problem is when you've got a, when you've got an offense that isn't making those sixty sixty five plays a game, and you keep running at deficiency, that's a whole knock on on the whole offense. The whole offense yep. is not seeing that many plays. It's not sustainable, right? That we expect this to potentially trend up. It's just then how do those targets and everything get divvied? When we look at projections, right? And this is where people start to analyze is McCaffrey going to be the RB1, RB2 overall, right? People mm -hmm. were projecting the Carolina Panthers to have somewhere between 60 and 65 plays a game, and they're not. So part of what this offense needs to do to get going is they need to run more plays. How they do that, better time of possession. How they do that, extending drives. So that involves Baker Mayfield being better. And we'll talk about, in fact, we might as well let's, let's segue on to DJ Moore here. I was going there, go on. Because we'll segue on to this. So one of the players who I'm least concerned about, and again, this is sound a bit contradictory, but they're going to correlate to the same point. DJ Moore is someone I wouldn't quit on because... There is some really good news behind this. You look at DJ Moore's stat line yesterday. It's one catch for two yards, right? And you're sitting there as a DJ Moore owner and you're tearing your hair out. But 
Uh, he's actually name, playing draft pick, not delivering. Yeah, exactly that. <laughs> he's actually playing more snaps this year than he was last year in the last three games. They're the three highest snap shares of his career. Um, he's also two of five receivers, along with uh, him and Robbie Anderson, the two of five receivers, and this is according to PFF, with seven or more uncatchable targets this year and nine or fewer receptions. Okay. So that's Baker throwing the ball. So he's had seven or more uncatchable balls thrown at him. Yeah. And yet he's got nine or fewer receptions. And like when you look at that for DJ Moore and you sit there and say, well, it's not that he's not getting the ball. It's not that he's not getting the He had six targets yesterday. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right. That's still not a huge amount. But the next nearest was four. So he, he's getting the targets. But it's just the fact of there's a misconnection. There's it's not, not enough plays. Yeah. One, there's not enough plays, which should trend upwards because – it's very hard to sustain 52 to 54 plays a game. You yep. need to be at 60-plus plays a game. That's the, the bottom line. And teams don't average that few consistently through a season unless they're really, truly bad. I'm not saying the Panthers are good, but they're not. They're not Owen. I mean, they beat the Saints yesterday. They're not They're not going to be an Owen or a 1-16 and 16 team. You know, they are going to end up with five to seven yeah. wins. So... We look at we look at for example, he's had eighteen targets, so it's averaging six a game. If we then see an increase in plays, so they get an increase of ten plays a game with the snap share that he's getting, we would expect that to be correlating to about an extra two, maybe two three targets a game. Now, all of a sudden, you start getting a player from six targets a game to nine targets a game, and then all of a sudden you start getting him vibing with his quarterback and you go from one catch to five catches. All of a sudden, all those numbers start to trend upwards. So everything looks good for DJ Moore, except for the fact there's been a lot of uncatchable balls and the plays have been running low. Tying it back to Christian McCaffrey, the problem with them running one of the ways that they're going to need to increase plays is they're going to have to throw the ball more. Yeah. To do that means less carries. So I can see a way in which, you know, I know, and to consistently win in the NFL, you need to be running around 65 plays a game, unless you've got one of the greatest defenses going and you can consistently run under that and your D will bear you out or you're incredibly efficient in running points. Caroline don't have either. So they need to increase the number of plays. Increased number of plays means you need to throw the ball more. To do that, you've got to run the ball less. Now, I can't see a way in which Christian McCaffrey is going to get a huge amount more passes in this offense. I think we're going to see him get maybe a good game for him might be six to eight targets. Might be a good game for Christian McCaffrey. Not which is an increase of three or four, but it's not the 10 to 15 that we were drafting him on. So what I'm saying is with Christian McCaffrey, we've got to level expectations here. Yeah, I still think... He had 15, 9, 12, 12, 10, 15, 10. I mean, we're running a third of that. Then that I, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think we're going to get to those numbers again consistently. I do think we're going to get an increase. So I'm setting the expectation level here. I don't think Christian McCaffrey is going to finish as a top two running back. I don't think he's going to return his ADP. I still think there's a good path to him if he's injury-free, finishing in the top 12. Yeah, it's still be an one. Yeah. But let's just set the expectation level that he's not going to be what he is. 
and I wrote this in uh, for Fantasy Pros this week that actually, if I if I could shift Christian McCaffrey right now, I would. Mm-hmm. If I could get Derek Henry plus something, I said this before week three, <laughs> so maybe I'm less likely to do that. But I said if I could get Christian, if I could get Derek Henry plus a wide receiver, I'd have taken that deal because I think okay. they were going to finish similar levels, Derek Henry and. Christian McCaffrey, I can't see a huge amount of separation if not because he's lost I've... the passing work, which Henry never has Correct. anyway. Yeah, so I I just think he's down to Derek Henry level receiving numbers, mm-hmm. and that that just takes away this this huge upside. He's now no longer a huge upside play. He's now just a good running back, uh, which isn't okay. fine, but that's not yeah. what you've drafted. And I think that's the expectation. So I think from Carolina, the reason I'm, I'm optimistic about DJ Moore does add some pessimism to. Uh, McCaffrey, because I see a few of those carries coming off. They can't run the ball 25 times again uh, yeah. through him. But I do think they need to increase the number of plays, which means putting the ball in the air more with DJ Moore's uh, snap share percentage. Uh, sorry. Um, target percentage. Target share. He's going to be fine. He's going to be... It's just been a bad few weeks and also a lot of uncatchable balls. Um, that's not his fault. So cool. it will change. The next player is one we talk about a lot on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we really do, right? I, I looked at this and I read it. I was like, okay, yeah, we saw this one coming. So for those well, who don't know. We saw some huh? of it coming. We saw well, some of it coming. Yeah. We didn't see this particular wrinkle to this to this story. No. So if you're a big fan of the show, you know we're talking about Javonta Williams, right? Yep. Now, we've talked about Javonta Williams being in a committee, right? A nailed on committee. <laughs> in fact, week one, Javonta Williams only got the numbers he did because he ended up being the wide receiver one on the team. Now, I don't know what is going on in Denver, right? I don't know if it's Nathaniel Hackett. I don't know if it's Russell Wilson. I don't know if it's both. Ultimately, that is single-handedly the most disappointing offensive display team. I don't really know spectacle. I could argue I've ever seen. Like, I know people are really disappointed with the Buccaneers right now, but at least the Buccaneers, you look, there's a lot of players out. Tackles, oh, yeah. Yeah. tackles, wide receivers out. What's Denver's excuse? Jerry Judy missed a week. Yeah. What what is going no. on? It, it's just a mess. What we're seeing in, in Denver is a mess. It's a it's an absolute mess. I mean, they win a game eleven to ten. What's that about? <laughs> just it's just laughable. And we're looking at him and Javonna Williams. Is now he's not in a two-fold committee. If if the trend follows from this week, he's in a three-man committee. Because yeah. we look at it now, it, it's interesting. So Mike Boone has come into the equation, and he this week dominated the third down role. So you had Gordon who dominated the third down role in week one. Williams had it in week two. Now it's Boone in week three. And what that tells me is this start to play Williams because he's going around again eleven. <laughs> Well, it says to me that Nathaniel Hackett and the OC, they don't know what their best team is and what their best packages are. They're just trying stuff now. What they're doing is they realize that nothing is working. This is, yeah. um, I'm trying to relate it to uh, West Ham We always roll with the hot hand, but it actually feels like they're trying to find no, the no, hot no, hand. No. Right. So, bit of an, I'm going to switch sports here. West Ham United. West Ham United bought a striker in the summer, Right. And what they've done is they haven't been able to find that combination that works. So in all of their seven Premier League games, they've started different personnel in the front four. They haven't played the same personnel twice. And that's because nothing has worked. It's not working. 
And I kind of think the Denver Broncos are doing the same thing. They haven't found a package and scheme that works. So they're just rotating them. They're just deciding, right, we'll add Mike Boone. Let's see if he gets something going. And it's not really worked. Um, you know, and actually, probably the, the best thing to do in that scenario is to keep stagnant, is to let them build rapport, is to let them right. build trust in each other. It's but panic. it's the hardest thing to do when your job's on the line. It's panic, right? It, it, yeah. It's blind panic. And what this does is the more things are going to try, the more it leads to Rhodes being a committee. Now, Mike Boone yeah. looks like he might have a role in this offense. That would be a disaster for Javonta Williams. I'm not saying Javonta Williams falls off the map here, but he's definitely not going to return the RB10 ADP that he was being drafted at. I mean, granted, Boone didn't catch his only target that he had yesterday, so we will see maybe Williams get more of these snaps. But ultimately... He's only he got 15 carries and three passes. So he had 18 touches yesterday. And that right. seems to be that's going to be the high watermark for him. Is that 18 to 20? That makes him rosterable. That makes him RB2. That doesn't make him RB10 overall. It doesn't make him an RB1. And I think it's what we've been saying is that he is a in a committee with Melvin Gordon who refuses to go away. He scored yesterday. Um, oh, that must have made Williams' owners sick, right? You know, Gordon getting the, the one-yard goal line work. But this is why you and I stayed away from him because yep. this was going to happen. He's going to have good games. And he's separating in terms of usage to a degree, but not enough. And when the offense isn't good and they're not putting up points, they're not going to get to run as many plays. They're not going to stay ahead in games. They're not going to be able to run Javonta Williams as much as we would expect in the early. What you need is, is the Broncos to go up early, dominate, and let Javonta Williams carry the ball yep. in early down work. That's kind of what we need to happen for Javonta Williams to really excel. That's not happened. He needs the whole offense to click. It's not clicking right now. And it is because Nathaniel Hackett keeps trying different things and nothing is working. Now, is it a case of Nathaniel Hackett benefited from having Aaron Rodgers as a QB and Aaron Rodgers just made a lot of plays? Or is it the fact that just it just takes a bit of time? I don't know. I'm going to sit here and rag that Nathaniel Hackett is a hack and he should go. But at the same token, there's a lot of pressure on, given the fact they've paid Russell Wilson a couple of hundred million dollars here. Yep. They're going to need to get things going because I tell you what, the quarterback isn't going to be the one that's going to go. So something's got to give and we'll see what happens there. But it is a concern for Javonta Williams owners. Right now, I don't see how Javonta Williams finishes as an RB1 this season. I don't see. He have to dominate all the wide receiver snaps, which with Judy and Sutton there isn't going to work. Without an injury somewhere in that. Correct. And they may turn it around, but you're right. It's it's looking tough at the minute for them, I guess. Um, and the last one is a guy that stepped up um, to dominate the opportunities there. Injuries have occurred. He was probably coming into the season as uh, the RB2 or 3 even on his own roster. Uh, and we head to, to San Francisco and Jeff Wilson. Yeah. So, I definitely... Um... Definitely with Jeff Wilson, I think it's interesting, right? So Jeff Wilson, we we knew he was going to get this role, but he does continue to to dominate. And, it, you know, he is going to be in your starting lineup now. 12 times, 75 yards, he caught three passes. So he had 100 yards from scrimmage day, and that's kind of what we see. He's not going to have these big days where he's going to have 150, 160, 170 yards from scrimmage. But he is likely going to be somewhere around that sort of 70 to 100 yards. And actually, for him, uh, Trey Lance 
being out for the season benefits Jeff Wilson because yep. you've got Jimmy Garoppolo. We know Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to throw the ball 30, 40 times consistently. We know they're going to keep it on the ground. We know Jeff Wilson is going to be the biggest beneficiary of that till about week eight, week nine. So everything is trending up for uh, for him. You know, he the things that are going to cap Jeff Wilson. So Jeff Wilson's an RB2. Very, very safe floor. Very, very low ceiling. Yep. The reason he's going to have a low ceiling is a, is a couple of reasons. One, the wide receiver core there is talented. It's Debo Samuel and it's Brandon Ayuk. Two, Samuel is going to take some of the carries out of the backfield, especially some of the more explosive ones, maybe some direct snaps, uh, etc. Uh, but three, he doesn't play on third downs. So that goes to Carl Juszczyk, who's the fullback. So ultimately, he is capped in usage. So he is that sort is of... Is there an element we can see Marlon Mack working his way into this as well once he learns the scheme in the system? No. Nah. Because you don't, as a running back, as a running back like Marlon Mack, right? There isn't much to learn. It's it's about experience, yeah. Uh, and that's why you see rookie running backs are so effective because you don't have to learn. Get the ball and head down. Yeah. Exactly that. Find the holes. Yeah. Listen to yeah. the calls. You'll know roughly where the hole is going to open up. Put your head down and run. Right. And I'm not diminishing that as a skill, but it's why the NFL doesn't pay them is because yeah. ultimately it's down to size, speed. And there is a bit of football intelligence, but a lot of it is experience. You have to have a certain amount of experience at the position to know how not to get hit, how not to get injured, how to fall properly, how to block, all of those sorts of things, right? But ultimately, it is find a hole, run through it. It's not like a wide receiver where you've got to count the amount of steps, then know when to cut, then turn, then face your man, then face contact, stay in bounds, be aware of the positioning of the field, be aware of the... The, the, the line, be aware stopping of, yeah. the route, sort of actually yeah. where you're meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Being as you say, being thrown off your route, you're having yep. sort of three defenders potentially coming at you. Um, also, a play where you weren't going to get called, and all of a sudden you might get your number called halfway through. An audible might get called. Yep. All of a sudden you might be the the fourth read, but you're there needing it. So, um, someone's just said Mac is a previous uh, thousand yard rusher. He's got some juices. Absolutely, I don't, I don't knock Marlon Mac as a talent. My point is. If we haven't seen Marlon Mack have an impact by now, I doubt without an injury that we're going to see him. Because of that reason is he doesn't need see, time to get he doesn't need time to get going. That's my point. He doesn't need time to get going. You put him on the field, he goes. He, he, mm. You know, Marlon <clears throat> Mack doesn't need he doesn't need five games to get going. He needs a couple of snaps. The only picture mark, they've only elevated him this week from the practice squad. So he's one I've got an eye on next week to see if they actually use him. Look, it could be. those bottom roster spots that we talk about turning and turning and turning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am happy this week, ahead of anything, because you want to get ahead of what happened, yeah. to stick Marlon Mack in there, just to see if actually does yeah. he have a role. And let's face it, Jeff Wilson isn't the healthiest running back in the world. No, and that is a good point. And and listen, at that point, you're you're exactly right. And someone else agrees with you there. It's perfectly stated. One. <laughs> yeah. No, listen, and as long as he doesn't cost you, right? As, yeah. If he's yeah. the last waiver priority that you have. You probably or, dropped him three weeks ago when he got kicked out of the Well, Texas. there you go. And if, you know, I, I don't hate that play. I, I certainly like it better than uh, better than some. I mean, personally, I would go after players like Raheem Moster or players like that who are going to have some more instant relevance. But yeah, I get that. Whatever happens in this scenario, he is going to. Whatever happens, whether it's Wilson, whether it's mm-hmm. it's Marlon Mack, more likely Wilson Mack, both, whatever, yeah. neither. This 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 fantasy, this this uh, 
production ends in four weeks, five weeks. It's yep. going to end, but I'm saying right now, it is going to cash in. Uh, it is going to cash in right now. If you if you're Jeff Wilson, Jeff Wilson only, and you paid that twenty percent of your fab, twenty five percent of your fab for Jeff Wilson, you're getting your money's worth for him. Like it is panning out for you, and just stay the course. It's a low end RB two play, but it is an RB two play, which right now it's pretty good because it's not that far off a high end RB two play. With the amount of injuries you fell into last week, it's like a handful of points. Even if you're not, even if you're looking at a flex. Someone's come yeah. down unexpectedly late on Sunday. He's someone you can put in there. Or if you've got a, a lineup where you're looking at you're comfortably winning and you need a safe floor. Brandon Cooks is always the play, right? You don't need the upside of of somebody to deliver. Take the point, stick them on the board and, and move forward. Pick up that W. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's that's what's key, right? Is is you just... It, it, yeah, it's... It, the good thing about Jeff Wilson is he's he's reliable, he's dependable. Yep. Again, same with Zay Jones, high floor, not the best ceiling, but these players you can put, you can slot in your flex. They're not going to let you down too often. They're not going to win you weeks, but they're not going to lose you weeks. And I think that's what's key. And if you can get Wilson getting these eighty to hundred yards from scrimmage, that's pretty good. Like for a flex play, you know, get a few catches in there. Um, you know, that's kind of, that's fine. He's not going to score a, a ton of touchdowns, Jeff Wilson. He might break the odd one away, but yeah. ultimately he's going to, he's going to keep your roster afloat, especially now, as, as we said, a couple of weeks time, bye weeks, In all these things. game management system as well. Yeah. But, they need someone who can efficiently run the ball and he can do that. Yeah. I mean, they, exactly that. And especially when you've got Jimmy Garoppolo there and we know Jimmy Garoppolo needs those players to just run chunk yardage and just get those chunk plays, they're more likely to get them on the ground than they are in the air right now. That's yeah. just the bottom line. There's nothing. It's just they're more productive as a ground team. This is what took them to the final four last year. Fair enough. So the last one is, is one name I added to it, and um, I've spoken about him a couple of times. It's Khalil Herbert. Um, snap percentage 29-20, and obviously went up to 60 this week. Uh, with the injury to Montgomery. Now, in the first half of the game, he only had two more snaps more than Tristan Ebner. Um, yeah. Second half, took over the backfield, 60% snaps. He had 20 carries in that time for 157 yards. Um, I noticed Montgomery's never had a 150-yard game in all his time. And I was surprised, actually. I, I expected Herbert to be, and Montgomery to be more Javonte Williams, Melvin Gordon type approach, more 50-50 split. And it didn't start that way through weeks one and two. It, it was Montgomery's backfield. Um, but Herbert's now got this opportunity. Uh, and I just wonder whether Montgomery will come back to that role. Uh, Ebner didn't deliver uh, six or seven attempts, I think it was. I think Herbert's got a real shot here to, to make a name for himself. And according to Sleeper, he's under 50% owned in redraft as well at the minute. Well, Herbert, well, on ESPN leagues, he's only 25% owned, clear Herbert. Okay. So it depends on the type of league you, you're playing. Yeah, look. <clears throat> I, I like it. You know, Khalil Herbert is a, is a top ad this week. I'm less like at the end of the day, we saw this last season where mm-hmm. it became a bit of a committee. Um, yep. And then one got injured and the other got injured. Ultimately Herbert is just as likely to get injured as, as, um, as Montgomery. The bottom line is this, the bears stink in the air. 
They Justin did. Herbert threw for 109 Field. yards yesterday. Or just Everyone's called Justin Herbert. Everyone's called Justin Herbert today. I caught you, caught the yips off you, right? Um, yeah, Justin Fields threw 109 yards. He completed eight passes yesterday. Like yeah. they just stink in the air. Like they 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 might as well just they might as well just abandon abandon the pass and just run the ball. Um, that's basically what they did yesterday. That's how they won the game. Uh, you know, I I can see a scenario very similar to Detroit, where both these teams end up running the football. Uh, well, both these players get a significant amount of touches when both healthy. I think what you're going to see now is Khalil Herbert. I'm not going. He's not going to listen. He's not going to exclusively get the RB one role. They're not going to sit there when David Montgomery gets back and go right. Well, you're just going to sit on the bench now, and that's it. Because David Montgomery's had a lot of production in this mm-hmm. team, especially when they were really yep. bad. At the bottom line is they're going to be a committee. That's uh, what Herbert has done now. Is he's vaulted himself up from being the handcuff to a committee back now? That would normally sound really bad, but as we're seeing in Detroit, that's not bad at all because these two are going to be the only two players in fantasy football you should probably be rostering. Yeah. Um, I'd say I'd still hold some hope for Darnell Mooney to hopefully land, but until that happens, um, you know, I, I think you can almost considerably not play anyone else in fantasy football for the time being, other than Khalil Herbert and and David Montgomery when he's back because they stink in the air. It's just terrible. Um, so yeah, I, I I think, but we should also stay this. It's one game. Indeed. Yes, he looked good last season at times. Yeah. He did have these peak performances, Kilo Herbert. And yes, he can build on this. Absolutely, he's going to have an opportunity now. Does look like he probably get to play again next week. So, I do think he is a top waiver ad. Someone asked is Jamal Williams a top running back um, ad? Right ad. I think, I think, yeah, I, 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 for me, I would have Williams because I can see the path where Williams is relevant for the rest of the season. But Khalil yeah. Herbert's right there with him. The one I wouldn't add this week is, and I said this in the Wave Wire show, is I said wouldn't add. I think he needs to be owned, but I'm not desperately going out there as Alexander Matheson because yeah. Davin Cook looks like he's going to play next week. Um, you reckon that's a red herring in the pack, do you? I don't think he's a red herring in the pack. I think, you know, he is the handcuff. You've got to own him yeah. until the bye weeks happen, but I wouldn't spend a lot of money on it. So I would spend 20 to 25% of fab on uh, Jamal Williams. I would spend a good 10 to 15% of fab on Khalil Herbert. I would spend less than 5% of fab, up to 5% of fab on Alexander Matheson. Because I can't see Alexander Matheson being in my lineup next week. No. Well, someone like Jeff Wilson, who could probably spend less than 5% of your fab on. Would be well. He's, well, Jeff Wilson, unfortunately, is well owned now. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's that's the, I think that's the key, right? Is, yeah. is would you know for me, if I if I'm looking at cheap waiver ads, Alexander Madison's not going to be it because someone is going to pay through the nose for Alexander yeah. Madison. Alexander Madison should be owned. He's available in two thirds of leagues because of Dalvin Cook being an injury-prone guy that he is. He's he's the typical handcuff everyone's always picked up. Right. He's the first one that goes, right? Him and Pollard, I guess. Exactly that. But at the end of the day, he's not going to help your team next week, unlike Williams, unlike Herbert. Those two players will absolutely help your team. And if you are in the 0-3... See, here's the thing, right? If you're 0-3, I can see where you would lean Herbert over Williams. Yeah. Because Herbert, unless, well, mind you, having said that with Swift out, maybe that's not the case. But yeah. ultimately, either or, if you're Owen 3, you might need to break the bank for one, if not both of these guys. Mm-hmm. You might, if you're Owen 3, your running back room absolutely stings. You might need to add both these guys, even though we've just been saying how RBs aren't a big separator and, yeah. and maybe you should be investing wide receivers. Ultimately, 
these guys are putting up points. You talk about two players that are in the top 10 of fantasy. It's not that they are. It's the fact they've now got both of them got the opportunity and the potential to put up points. Right. And that and that's the, what the you're position saying. in their roster has delivered so far this season. They've now got an opportunity to cement themselves in that spot. Yeah. I think it's it's an interesting time. And, and so while we're on that, there is some injuries we do need to keep an yeah. eye on uh, this week. Do you want to rattle through these? Uh, David Montgomery, we just said, probably won't play. Dalvin Cook probably will play. Um, Mac Jones hobbled off. Had to be carried off, right? Down yeah, it the stairs. Yeah, it, it didn't look, look good, good did it? After doing his little Mac Riddy dance, he's <laughs> pulled something. So um, Jarvis Landry and Michael Thomas, both at the Saints. Both of issues. I think they're both listed as day-to-day, aren't they, so far? Yeah. Um, so, they are as it stands right now. Uh, and they've already got Taysom Hill out, so that is a Chris Olave and nobody else because Kamara was uh, a touch-and-go as well this week, so unless he can get back healthy in a hurry. Uh, AJ Green on the list. I wasn't aware of that one, so what you got with AJ Green? Uh, yeah, it's, I just saw he left the... Um, I saw he left the game. I've got the injury list here. He is... He went out with a knee injury. Okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't look good. Uh, knee injuries. But having said that, I mean, he's not he's not put up huge numbers. I don't think not, it's going to affect too many players. I don't, I don't, if you're relying on AJ Green to play, you've got bigger issues than the fact he's probably not, not playing. Yeah, he, he's an easy there. enough replacement, but he is. Uh, yeah, it doesn't look like he's going to play uh, this yep. week. T Higgins could be a big miss for people. Massive concussion, man. That hit made me sick watching it. But it's his second concussion in three weeks. Yes. So they're definitely going to take it easy. They're not going to... Uh, well, how unlucky was he not to have that highlight touchdown catch at the back oh, corner yeah. of the end zone? That deserved to be a touchdown just purely I, because I, of the catch. What a talent. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the only reason they couldn't give it was in, was conclusive evidence. But Correct, yeah. It, it's so a shame. It first. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a shame. It was an unbelievable toe, toe grab. I, I would have given it personally, but that's me. <laughs> Um, so that Prescott's still not going to be good to go for a couple of weeks yet, I don't believe, is he? Uh, he's touch and go. He could be. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a tight, tight squeeze. Um, he's one to watch. Um, yeah. Week four, week five window for him. So it could happen. I guess we have to see what happens. Uh, Cooper Rush hasn't done too terribly since he's deputized, and that might make it a bit easier for them to fade another week. Yeah. Uh, Julio Jones. So Julio Jones apparently was good to go this week, and the Bucks chose to sit him and, and rest him out. So, so weird. I don't buy that. I think that's Todd Ball's coach speak. Because you, you, you'd have suited him even if you didn't use him. 100%. Especially the way the game went when we needed yeah. him. You could have suited him and just chucked him on for 10 snaps at the end on that last drive or that touchdown and two point conversion. Just put him on the field for that. 100%. What, if, if he's good to go, why, why exactly that? Why is he not dressed? Yeah. I get he's Correct. on account, or I get that you yeah. sparsely use him, but. And if you don't yeah. need to use him and you get up in the game, don't use him. You don't have, just because he's suited, you don't have to use him. Exactly um, that. Chris, so I didn't I'd expect him to play some part next week. Uh, Chris Godwin, I think, is pretty similar. We're hoping next week, but I'd probably be cautious with Godwin. I can't see it next week. You talk no, about hamstring, not. right? I, I'd, I'd be surprised if he is uh, if he's good to go next week. But you never know. But um, I think I think what we're learning here is with the Buccaneers coaching staff, there's definitely um, a lack of clarity. Is what I'm going to say uh, when it comes to injury. We saw Ryan Jensen yesterday with absolutely no knee support. Uh, they got in trouble in- last week as well, didn't they? Because Brady yeah. wasn't listed on the injury report, even though he'd actually hurt himself, and it's against the rules. And there was talk of a fine coming in because they hadn't detailed and listed the injury, regardless yeah, they, of whether they missed time. They have to list it. 
They definitely, um, yeah, because it was his finger. And, and that definitely... was done before with Brady with his knee injury. The year we won the Super Bowl, it was never That's ever correct. listed. No. <laughs> um, so there is definitely some shenanigans. Yeah, there's a lack of clarity with situations when it comes to injuries. Just don't believe too much what's coming out of the Buccaneers. Um, like again, Ryan Jensen. Ryan Jensen's walking around the stadium with no knee support or no knee brace. I'm not saying he's not hurt because clearly he'd be playing. Yeah. My point is, it, it, do we really believe he's going to be out until the playoffs? The guy's walking with no assistance and no strapping. That doesn't look like a guy who's going to be out. He was walking around during preseason at the training facility. Yeah, but at least then he, had, then he, yeah, but at least then he had a boot and some strapping on. He, now he's yeah, got he had a brace now, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, I just don't. I I don't think even if they say he's near ready to go, I I think they'd maybe be putting that out there to change game know. plans of the opponent. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So I I wouldn't. I'd say probably not. Cool. Um, uh, Keenan Allen. I, I think many thought he would have played this week, but it wasn't to be. So. Yeah, strange one. I really did expect him to go. So the fact he did. didn't go. I made my uh, mind up on Sunday and put him in. And then I was like, okay, go back and take him back out. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a tricky one. Uh, I would uh, say that. Especially when Herbert was playing. <laughs> yeah. But I do think he will go this week. Yeah. Uh, and we've mentioned John Ray Swift already, who um, it came out just before the show that he may miss some time. So we don't know much detail. I think it was a shoulder injury in the end. Um, uh, yeah, is, well, DeAndre Swift is a sprained shoulder, and it okay. is likely that he could. I think they said it's not going to need surgery, but it might need some time. Okay, the other one is not on your list that I want to just throw at you quickly. Is two attack of a lower? Yeah, this is this is a weird one, right? Um, I mean, we've all probably seen the video, and we've all probably made the the same conclusion that he probably should not have been playing in that game following that instance. Well, so the NFLPA have requested that there's a review, a review into it, of the process. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, look, I don't know what the official procedure is. Um, nope. My understanding, and I, I look, I'm ready to be saying I'm wrong here is that there is an official con- uh, concussion protocol with a series of tests yeah. which is standardised across all the teams. And it's it done by an independent body as well, I believe, isn't it? Right. So this is the part I'm not sure on, is who officially carries it out. Because yeah, I believe I... it's a league official, not right. a team official. But that, And that's, so that's where the grey area is, is who carries it out and in mm. whose interest is it to carry out and, and fulfil. And because... it was for that reason, because... If that was a Miami Dolphins decision, he's back in that game. Yeah, so if it's I, a yeah. league decision, they have to be impartial on it. Right. And so that's the question is, is is there a league official at each game doing this? And that's that's the part where it does need some clarity and uh, what process are they going through? And is that person a metaphor? Are they therefore a doctor or are they just trained in yeah. it? Like, I think this is the part there needs to be a bit more clarity on, on what the official bit is. Ultimately, they're saying he went through a protocol. And that he came, and you know, there was half time, so there was plenty of time to yeah, do this. I don't like it from a visual perspective, but no. it could be. And listen, we've all done it, where you've you've fallen off a bike, or you've, you know, yeah. you've played football, a whatever, bit of shock or something like that. As yeah, to and you, you get a bit yeah. jelly legged, and then ten minutes later, after a sit down, the drink and a biscuit, you're fine. You've all had a near miss in a car crash or something. The adrenaline right. kicks in, and adrenaline yeah. kicks in. Yeah. It's hard to tell 
what caused it. And that's the part that, like, well, not what caused it, but what it was like 10 minutes later. Ultimately, halftime came in a good time uh, yeah. for Tua. Yeah. I. It, they got a short week. They're up Thursday this week. Yeah. I, I, we definitely see what the independent on. results are. I, I My initial view before I really thought about it was that something was off. But then when I thought about the timing and it's like 20, 30 minutes, I've been in that situation where actually I was hit by a car and I was jelly legged for 15 mm-hmm. minutes and I sat you down and, and then the adrenaline runs out of your body and then you're okay. It can happen. Like uh, I can see a path to where he can look jelly legged, it be the adrenaline and it not be a concussion. And actually yeah. once he sat down and everything sort of righted itself, he's okay. Um, and just, and, and you know, the other part I would say is it didn't look like his head was massively hit. Um, I'll give you an example. Well, here's another example. Look at Garrett Wilson, right? Garrett Wilson looked like, well, his body went one way, his head went the other way. He looked like yeah. he had massive whip. <clears throat> he yeah. stepped out of the game and then came back. So the question isn't, are, are teams rushing them onto the field when they shouldn't be? The question is, is the process correct? Yeah. Because there were two good examples there where players you thought had a reasonable concussion and both of them returned. From an untrained, I mean, unmedical qualified eye, I guess. Well, that's <clears> the <throat> thing. I don't know if they're untrained or if they are trained. I don't know if they're a doctor or not a doctor. Yeah, I I'm saying for know. you and I had to go, that looks bad. He shouldn't be Oh, playing. from our eye. Yeah, yeah, no exactly grounding that. anything. Let's make so, that clear. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's the, that's the key, right, is, is that they want the process reviewed. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But, you know, one player we do know is in that process right now is T Higgins. That that was yeah. a nasty hit. And his second concussion in three weeks, I can't see him back in week four. They're on a short week because that's who they're playing. So yeah. you can rule T Higgins out now, pretty much. I, I know no one has officially, but I can't see them in a rush to put him in a game. But I do think two will be fine. Uh, I think if he finished the game and finished it the way he did, and you got to admit, he, he played pretty well in that second half. Um, so I think it'd be okay, but uh, I've just seen that Michael Thomas's injury is not deemed serious. Okay, it's a toe injury after, after two years, is that? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Cool. Anything else you wish to cover off, Murph, before we wrap this up? No, I just want to get these offenses going, right? Um, I think we all do. I, I thought that the early window was great, a lot of games were very close within one score except for the Commanders and uh, the and Jets, Jets letting us down, but the rest of them were already close games, nail-biters, and then the, the... I mean, and the rest of them were all very low-scoring. Uh, you know, the Falcons were the highest-scoring team in the late window? No, the Jags. It was the Jags yeah. and the Falcons were the two highest-scoring teams in the late window. That involved the Rams, the Cardinals, the Packers, and the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Tells you everything you need to know about fantasy football and offenses so let's get these offenses woken up but no uh encouraging start of the season uh stay tuned for everything we're doing across the network uh we're here to just keep you abreast but hope uh some of the info we've given you here on some of the trends um again try and buy low on dj Moore. uh that's definitely we'll try and sell not high but if you can get sell and pass glory for christian mccaffrey do that and uh don't buy matt collins awesome Guys, thanks for being with us. Murph, have a wonderful week. And we will be back at the same time next week with week four review. Yeah. Don't forget. What I got to do now.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.